0: A parenting blogger? Isn't that a bit old-fashioned? Not this one. Hello, I'm James Erskine. I'm the presenter of Rocket Fuel, the podcast that interviews people that have affected youth culture and youth marketing. As well as Babes About Town on X, formerly Twitter, Uju Seeker is a writer, blogger, and creative consultant. She's written a book. She's the author of Raising Boys Who Do Better, a hopeful guide for a new generation. And she's also written up a, a book called Bringing Up Race, how to raise a kind child in a prejudiced world. It's really, 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 really good to talk to EG because we cover her blog, We cover her beginnings, we cover her books and we also cover some fairly important conversations around parenting and raising boys in general. Have a listen as we ask Uju Asika for her rocket fuel. So, Uju, tell me, what's your journey? How have you managed to get to where you are now?
1: Yeah, interesting question. Um, my journey is kind of a long and winding road, I guess many people in media will relate to that. Um, I started out, I guess, I was born in Nigeria, came to the UK as a young child, um, studied at university English literature, came out thinking I was going to be a poet, that was not very practical, wound yeah. up in journalism, um, did journalism for a while, went back to Nigeria, got pregnant, came back to the UK, had a baby, wondered what could I do with a baby in town and around town, I had an idea for a blog for parents, um, which then became a blog that I launched when I had my second child and the blog is called Babes About Town and it's a family blog giving you ideas of cultural things to do in London.
0: Amazing. And have you a mentor or have you ever mentored anybody, whether informally or formally? Yeah,
1: I mean, I do. I mentor. um, So formally through, there's an organisation called Black Girl Writers, which um, I mentor sort of aspiring novelists and writers with I've also mentored through the National Novel Writing Month program and um, through a program in New York where I used to live called Girls Right Now and in terms of mentors for me I don't have anyone formal I have my my husband he's an entrepreneur and he's he's always got lots of interesting and quite radical ideas I like talking with him and um, I would always say Maya Angelou, the writer, is, uh, if I could have a fairy god mentor, I would have (laughs) Maya Angelou as my fairy god mentor. She's someone who I always look to um,
0: in an aspirational way. And when you're looking to collaborate and looking to work with people, what qualities do you like to see in the people that you work with? Is there a commonality?
1: Um, Yeah, I would definitely say creativity and fun. You know, I'm drawn to people who I think have a quite playful energy. And I think that that gels very nicely with creativity and being creative. I think um, I'm also drawn to visionaries. And I don't mean that in a, like a lofty sense. I just mean people with, you know, even if it's a tiny vision, but it's something that can like light you up. I'm, I'm drawn to that.
0: And what do you think professionally you're known for?
1: Um, Professionally, I'm definitely known for my blog, so um, I've been blogging for 13 years, and um, a lot of people still sort of come to my blog as new parents. My pa- my kids were very young when I started my blog, and now they're teenagers, so um, they're not quite the babes about town of old. Um, professionally, I'm also known for my books. I've written three books. My latest is called Raising Boys Who Do Better, A Hopeful Guide for a New Generation, Um, I have a picture book called A World for Me and You, Where Everyone is Welcome. And my first book, which came out in 2020, is called Bringing Up Race, How to Raise a Kind Child in a Prejudiced World.
0: And are you any good at switching off? Are you one of those people that's always working when you're on holiday or are you quite disciplined when it comes to switching off?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm disciplined about switching off. I can switch off quite well. For instance, before I wrote my last book, uh, I had a deadline, I was meant to be writing. And then we went on this big family holiday to Jamaica and I took my laptop and I thought I was going to wake up every morning writing before I went to the beach. And of course, I didn't open my laptop for like the full 10 days that I was out there, which um, <laughs> was not something that I planned. But my editor said she was happy that I, I switched off. So, yeah, I do, I'm do. i OK with switching off, but I do always have ideas just
0: running around through my brain. So it's tricky. And final question in this section, conversely to how you... switching off how do you stay focused and how often do you think you should be innovating is innovation important to you
1: um, innovation is everything to me. I think it's kind of the nutshell of what I do as a writer, as a blogger, as an author. So I think the the staying focused is very challenging for me. Like I said, I have a million and one ideas. And right now, I'm in that very strange and tricky space of, trying to pin one down so that I can write my next book. Um, Yeah, so it's a challenge. I can't say that I've really cracked the code on Staying Focused, but um, I think having a deadline helps once I do have an idea and I have a specific deadline
0: that helps me. So... Uji, we'll come to talking about babes about town. Uh, I'm keen to talk about that. But let's start with your book. Um, It came out in June 2023. It's called Raising Boys Who Do Better, a hopeful guide for a new generation. Tell me, is raising boys different to raising girls and how?
1: Yeah, well, if you ask parents who have boys and girls... Some of them say yes, and some of them say no. And I think that when it comes down to it, parenting is just parenting and parenting is a wild journey, no matter who you have. Um, But definitely, I think there are different considerations when you're raising boys or raising girls. I only have boys. And I know that some of the things that I think about, some of the things that I worry about are quite different for um, parents of girls. So there
0: there are different things you have to navigate. And what what does the book cover? I mean, it, it mentions in the blurb hypermasculinity, TikTok misogynists. What what are some of the other issues and and are those how much of a threat are those issues that you raise?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it covers everything from education, boys in education, um, sports, mental health, which is a huge challenge for males growing up today. Um, covers talking to boys about sex, talking to them about privilege, and definitely sexism, I have a chapter called How Not to Raise a Chauvinist, which is something very important I'm trying to do in my own household. In terms of the TikTok misogynists and hypermasculinity, both are huge threats. Hypermasculinity is really being pushed by those people on TikTok. And obviously there's a lot of conversation around that guy named Andrew, who <laughs> mm. shall not be named, but he is just the, the tip of a very, very wide and deep iceberg. So it's something that parents, I think all parents need to be quite vigilant about.
0: And how does this affect the way that we bring up our sons? Are there are there top tips? I'm not asking you to pray, see the book. I'm just asking for a taster, if you like.
1: Yeah, I think the my main, probably the main point that I have in the book is really start with, start from a place of connection. You don't want to alienate your boy. You don't want to lecture your boy. You don't want to sort of be really heavy handed. So start from a place of connection. Start by listening to your sons. For instance, if your sons are drawn to these TikTok bros, you know, find out why, like listen to them. Genuinely pay attention and be curious about your son's inner lives because I think we need to help validate our son's inner lives, their emotional lives, which is something that's not really um, held to be very valuable in mainstream society. There's so much focus on raising boys to be a certain way and a lot of that does not touch on their emotions and their
0: feelings. Your first book is called Bringing Up Race. How to Raise a Kind Child in a Prejudiced World. Your your most recent book is A Hopeful Guide for a New Generation. Kind and hopeful are the key words that I took from those titles. Is that something that runs deep? Is that something that's deep inside you? The, the importance of being hopeful and the importance of being kind.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad that you picked up on both those words, because I think that none of the work that we're doing in these spaces, whether it's trying to raise children to be anti-racist and um, to battle prejudice, or whether it's raising boys to think more expansively about masculinity and gender, I think none of it really matters if we're not raising them to be kind, and to be conscious and to be empathetic of each other. And for me, hope is essential. I think without it, we're pretty much lost. So I stay hopeful
0: and it's part of me and it's a huge part of the books. Let's stay with your books for a second. Was was writing books always the plan or was it a happy accident since the blog? How, How did it work in terms of your career trajectory?
1: Yeah, I always, always wanted to write books. I think I wrote my first book when I was about seven. (laughs) And that was a book that I stapled together and did all my own coloring in for. Um, And yeah, I've always written in one way or another. I grew up very lucky to have grown up in a household where there were lots of books. I kind of would lose myself in books as a child. And
0: yeah, so it feels like a natural trajectory for me. And just looking back to the prejudiced worlds that you mentioned in your first book, why do you sense this world is prejudiced and why does this world need negotiating?
1: Yeah, um, I was quite specific. The book is about race, but I was specific about talking about prejudice as well, because obviously race is its own kind of system and its own kind of challenge. Um, But prejudice, I think, is just part of human behavior. It's very natural to be afraid, to be, um, to sort of create little barriers based on who you know and who you don't know. And these are the barriers that we need to break down. We see a lot of difficulties around the world based off of the prejudices that too many of us hold and I think if we start with children and start with the younger generation we can hopefully open up a more inclusive society that is just fairer and
0: safer for everybody. Why do you think parenting's changed? I think I'm different as a parent than I am to the way that I was parented. Do you think that's a lifestyle change? Do you think that's a cultural shift? Or do you think it's because of the environment that we're bringing children into? I think it's a combination of
1: all three. You know, when I've written my books and there's always these arguments about nature versus nurture. And then a lot of people say, no, it's all culture. And actually you find, even with a lot of research, that it's a mixture of nature, nurture and culture. I think a lot of us are doing things differently from our parents based on what worked and what didn't work. Um, and also based on the very, very fast changing world and society that our kids are growing up in, we're having to adapt to
0: that as well. And is social media something that you've had to navigate in your own parenting journey? Has that been has that been tough? I I speak as the father of an 11 year old who will stray onto TikTok, who is on YouTube and you're having to correct him when sometimes he doesn't understand the references he's quoting or. Yeah, it's it's a tough challenge. Is that a challenge that you've had as well?
1: Absolutely, 100%. I think, you know, any parent who's got kids and who has kids with access to a smartphone or to YouTube is going to be presented with the challenges that that we all face, you know, trying to figure out, okay, is this, what are they watching? Um, What are they learning from what they're watching? How much are they watching? What are they consuming? My son is very often glued to TikTok. So it's really about trying to make him sort of be aware and be conscious of what time he's spending on there what he's doing on there my eldest actually switched off I think he removed TikTok from his phone when he was doing his GCSEs which I was quite proud of him and then he didn't (laughs) because he realized he could live without it so um, yeah it's it's a difficult one we all have to work on
0: it I would say and you're clearly entrepreneurial you're clearly creative you you clearly have a drive how did you find the publishing industry once you were immersed in it did it go too slowly for you what yeah what what was your experience like
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. I say publishing, um, so when I got into publishing, I had been doing screenwriting for a few years. And so going into publishing from the worlds of blogging and screenwriting, which are much, much faster paced, was a strange one. Even some of the emails that I would get, the time it would take for an email to come back to me or for like a decision to be made or a project to be pushed forward was very um, strange. (laughs) It's like, what is happening? So it's, it's been different. It's a completely different pace, but I, I enjoy it, yeah. Publishing is this very strange world, I would say. It is due for a shake-up in many, many different ways.
0: Interesting. Um, let's go to your blog then, Babes About Town. Um, it's brilliant. I love it. I was there on the uh pali pali fireworks when I first read about them on your blog I've, I've taken I've taken inspiration from it um how long has it been going and what was the original plan
1: yeah so I've been uh running that blog for like 13 years now and as I mentioned earlier I thought about the blog when I had my first child and I just moved back to London and was like, what can I do with a baby? Can I even go out? (laughs) Will I ever go to the cinema again? Um, And yes, I launched it when my youngest, who's 14, he he had just turned one. And the plan was always to have not just a children's guide to london but a parent friendly guide to london so focusing on stuff that was actually interesting for parents to do and not just
0: sort of sitting in the library bobbing a baby on your lap great right. and do you think and this is a big sweeping statement to make your point do you think dads are rubbish are all your readers <laughs> mums because I always think dads run out of inspiration quite quickly and just default to taking the children to the park, even if it is raining. Do you think that's a, a stereotype? Are most your readers mums? What's happening there? Well, I will definitely
1: not say dads are rubbish. I don't want to have a pile on from dads. I do have quite a lot of dads who read my blog. Yes, majority of the blog, probably 70% or more, are female and are mums, some grandmothers as well. Um, I think dads have just been uh, taught. A lot of wrong things about what it means to be a parent, you know, how much they need to be involved or what spaces they can gather as dads. So I wouldn't say that they're rubbish. I just think that maybe the way society has conditioned um, fatherhood is
0: is a little bit rubbish. Yeah, that's a fascinating answer. Um, how do you know what parents need? Is it purely down to your own experience or is it due to the feedback that you get as well?
1: Oh yeah it's a mix I mean I definitely started it from my own experience my own needs my own interest and curiosity and that's the main drive but I you know I've got a big kind of parent network now I've got lots of mums locally who I've been friends with who who tell me things or who ask me things and so I work from that as well.
0: And Is the blog purely for fun or do you think there's a wider purpose to help parents? Do you think it comes from a a grander vision, if you like?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously fun is a core value for me and it's a core value for the blog. But I think that even just having something that allows parents to feel like they can get out into uh, a city like London and do things with their kids and shape cultural experiences and make these like lasting memories based on something as simple as like going to a family rave with your with your children which you might not have thought about doing before um these things are important and i have i have had the blog called a lifesaver for parents which i saved from someone who, who met me and they were like oh i love your blog so much it's been a lifesaver and i think that's quite powerful
0: So I'm still here with UG. We've got our final section now, which is our rocket fuel, some practical takeaways for our audience to take some of UG's insights into their daily lives. So let's ask what your rocket fuel is. Let's start with this question, and it's a deliberately broad one. What do you know about young audiences? What do you know about children? I do not know enough about young audiences that's what I can tell
1: you I would certainly not put myself up as an expert what I do know is from just watching mainly my boys you know they're teenagers and I've seen them I've seen how their tastes have been shaped and how they've evolved over the years and you know I have a close relationship with them so I I do quite a lot of listening and eavesdropping and yeah it's it's a very interesting world that they're coming into
0: and what do you think's important to them to to young people to to children
1: um i think what's really important to them is humor Certainly for boys, you know, they anything that is like that is humorous and it doesn't matter what it is, but so long as it's a story told with some kind of humor that can offer a point of connection. And they send me a lot of memes as actually we share a lot of memes together every day. And, and I enjoy that. It's a really interesting way of communicating. I think also agency, you know, a lot of kids, um, and I remember as a teenager feeling like I should have more power, but I was in some sense powerless and feeling very frustrated with that. And I think that a lot of youth and teens would like more agency to feel like they're heard and they're seen.
0: And what has changed about the way they've behaved and what will change next? What do you think will be the next big changes in behaviour?
1: Yeah, what has changed in the way they behave? I think definitely, obviously, the the digital age and the way children cluster around... well digital digital lives you know they live their lives on social media they live their lives my my boys I remember during the pandemic how they might have like 20 of them playing a video game together and that was how they stayed in touch but even beyond that now you know we're way out of lockdown and they still gather like that online so it's very different from the way that I grew up where it was more like gathering in the streets or you know hanging out together in the park or something like that so um and I think that I don't know if that's really gonna change in the the other direction i would like it to and you know they do still hang out outside but i think that the the world of um vr and also ai ai is a huge game changer and it's really interesting a little bit (laughs)
0: nerve-wracking to see how that's gonna shape the way our children behave And which brands or organisations get it right and which brands or organisations get it wrong? You don't have to name names, but is there an example of of brands that do get it right and and, and what are they doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of brands that get it right, for me, it's really about brands that um, maintain their, their sort of playfulness and creativity and also have staying power so you really know like what they stand for or what they're about so i think i would think of a brand like lego for instance which has managed to be very adaptable over the years will and still calls to people of every generation you know still still has that appeal um in terms of brands that are not quite hitting the spot. I would say some of these social media brands, these big brands, for instance, the the one that rebranded itself <laughs> very recently, if we're not going to name names, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Yes. I think right now they're in a very, very confused space and it's driven by... Perhaps somebody who doesn't quite know exactly where he wants that brand sit, and it's alienating a lot of its original customers. So I think that that is a problem when you can't quite you know you're not trying to capture new markets and you're actually alienating the people that made your brand
0: so successful I think that's the problem. That makes sense to me um, finally and it might be down to the fact that I've not asked very good questions but it might be something you wanted to underline or highlight from our conversation is there one takeaway for everybody listening? One
1: takeaway. Um, Yes, I would say for me, I am a storyteller and I always start and come back to stories. I think there's nothing that's more powerful than the stories we tell about ourselves and about each other. And, you know, everything I write is really challenging. A lot of the false narratives that we've inherited around, whether it's race or, um, you know, gender or belonging, identity, all of these, and I think that we can, all of us, come together to think about the stories that we're teaching our children, and how we can help change the stories for the next generation to build a world that's a lot happier, (laughs) a lot more inclusive, and yeah, a lot
0: safer too. That's a really lovely point to, to leave it on. Where can people find out more about you and where can they uh, where can they buy your book?
1: Yeah, so my books are available in all the usual places, both online and in good bookshops. Um, If you wanted to support a black-owned bookshop, which I really love, which is called Afro Re Books in Brighton, um, I recommend you go there. Otherwise, if you don't see my book in a bookshop, Feel free to re- request my book. <laughs> That's always very helpful. Um, I'm at Babes About Town on social media across various platforms. You can find me at babesabouttown.com. Um, my author website is ujuaseka.com. Brilliant. Thank
0: you so much for being this week's guest on Rocket Fuel.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. It's been great. So that was Uji uju a seeker i told you it was a good chat do come back next week for more rocket fuel in the meantime this is free this is something that we do to learn and to have inspiring conversations all we would ask is either to give us a review Do subscribe if you're getting something from it, but also recommend this podcast to anybody that you think would benefit from it. So share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best, best solution for us to reach more people with this podcast. And uh, finally, tune in next week for more Rocket Fuel. This is Rocket Audio.